Aren't you glad you can trust him? Aren't you glad you can trust him? Yeah, you can. The trust is not about, our, about his character. He's trustworthy. It's about our choice. We just got to choose to trust him. <clears throat> I hear people say all the time, I have trust issues. No, you don't. You got in the car, you didn't see somebody make. You sitting on a pew, you didn't check out the screws underneath it. Come on. You get a prescription where there's no way the doctor can read what he wrote or the pharmacist can read what he wrote. You take it and take the medication and say you feel better five seconds after you took it. You don't have trust issues. You got God issues. We have to trust somebody and something every single day. Why not trust God? Amen. Leviticus chapter 10. Let's go there in the word of God. Getting back to where we have not been for a while. I feel like I need to reintroduce myself to the pulpit here Sunday morning. And what a joy it is to be here where I belong. And good to have you here where you belong too. Amen. Leviticus chapter 10. We're going to spend a few moments in chapter 10 and then We'll probably look over for a while in chapter number 8 if we get there, spend today and next week in chapter number 8, building upon the theme of strange fire. Somebody say strange fire. Feels like every week there's some more of it burning among professing Christians. God's people, strange fire, acting as if we can do God any kind of way. It doesn't matter. Look, 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 as long as I'm, I'm somewhere close to spiritual, God doesn't mind. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not horseshoes. This is not hand grenades. This is worship. We have to get it right because God is right. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Let's look at chapter 10, and let's start in verse number 1. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer, and put fire therein, and put incense thereon, and offered, say with me, strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. These weren't gangbangers, these were priests. You don't have to be an outright, obvious heathen to be offering strange fire. You can offer strange fire in a suit, in a robe, in a flipped collar, with a cross around your neck, microphone in your hand, a title before your name. We're not good Christians because we wear a label. We're good Christians because we live the life. And there went out fire from the Lord... And devoured them, and they died before the Lord. I'm getting a little tired of people branding God as a mean God. What kind of God would burn up people? What kind of God would allow natural disasters to happen? What kind of God would allow men to walk into places and shoot up buildings? What kind of God would allow... No, 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 no. Listen, listen. 
God is not in the business of creating robots. Each of us has a free will. I would contend to you that the stronger argument for those of us in the building, those listening in, those who will tune in at a later date, is not what kind of God would let evil things happen. I would submit to you, you ought to be saying to yourself, what kind of God that's so holy, so righteous, so perfect, and so sinless would give up his only son to provide for the sin of mankind? What kind of God? What kind of God would watch his son become sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him? What kind of God would turn his back on his own son because all of the sins of mankind were placed upon him? What kind of God, when man is bent towards sin and headed to a devil's hell, would make a provision through the blood of his son that not one sinner has to go to hell? What kind of God? Don't ask yourself why God lets bad things happen. Ask yourself what would cause God to give his son Jesus so that good things could happen? They've died before the Lord. Now verse number three. Then Moses said unto Aaron, this is it. Say with me, this is it. This is it. That the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Let the church say amen. Father, add thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. I love you. Help me to love you more in Jesus' name. And Lord, if there be one that doesn't know Christ, let that one be saved. Amen and amen. How many of y'all was ready to sit down and the prayer kept on? <laughs> kept on going. <laughs> Stop trying to anticipate me. <laughs> Listen, I fooled myself just as bad as I fooled you. I didn't plan to go back, but I thought, Lord, if anybody's lost, they need to get saved. Amen. Let's not just pray for saved folk. Let's pray for lost folk too. We don't want them in the fire of hell, do we? Aren't you glad you're not going? Worship is what Leviticus is centered around. In addition to sacrifice and holiness, this book is really God's instruction to his people as to how he is to be approached, as to what he expects when we enter his presence, as to the kind of God that he is, and so the expectation that he has of those that will worship him and what they should be. Ladies and gentlemen, let's not get lost in all of the terminology of Christianity, all of the catchphrases and the cliches and, and the traditions of church and the, the normalcy and services and, and the order of service and the singing and the doxology and the music and the handshaking and the screens and the microphones and the worshipers and the choirs and the Sunday school classes. And let's not get so caught up in the activity that we do so often that we forget that the whole aim of the Christian life is Jesus. It's being like him. It's not just looking nice on Sundays. It's not just being in the building. It's not just attending church. The goal is Jesus. Years ago in Ephesians chapter 4, our theme was that we might grow up into him in all things. In other words, our spiritual maturity, we're, we're growing up in the Lord when we're becoming more and more, we're becoming more and more, more and more, more and more like Jesus. Paul said that I may know him. Worship is our devotion to godliness, our desire to dwell in God's presence 
proskuneo it is in the Greek, it literally means to kiss. It was to kiss the palm of a superior. It was to kiss the ground of a superior entering. It literally gives the idea of licking the palm of the master's hand in honor and in awe of him. This is the excitement that the presence of God should enlist out of us. It ought to be, ladies and gentlemen, that something happens on Sunday. By the way, if you got to come to church on Sunday, God help us just to worship. You ought to be able to worship God at home, worship God in the car, worship God on the job. But there's something that happens when the corporate synergy of the people of God gather in the same building under the same name for the same purpose. We're not coming here for political purposes. We're not coming here for financial purposes. We're not coming here to show off. We're not coming here to debate about the, the ideas of the day. We're coming here for one reason. There's a God who gave his only begotten son who hung and bled and suffered for our sins. Aren't you glad he's alive today? We're here to worship him. There ought to be an excitement that comes in us. I, I, I don't understand sometimes. I look around the building during the worship service and I'm just wondering, what are we here for? I mean, what are we here for? We, we, we check it off the box. We, we punch the clock. I went to church today. Not just go to church today. Did you worship Christ today? And the reason why some people can come to church and not worship is because they've got too much strange fire. And this is what happens with two priests selected by God to handle what happened in the tabernacle representing the people in the presence of God. Now, everybody couldn't go in the tabernacle. Everybody couldn't handle the sacrifices. Not everybody could offer incense. That designation was specified for the priest. That designation was specified for those that God chose to represent the people. Some of you say, that's not fair. There's no such thing as God not being fair. Listen to me. God can do what he wants to do. It's his glory, his honor, his presence. So he said, the priest is supposed to do it. Now today, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, you and I are our own priests. Some of you are not sure if you want to say amen if it's true. Listen, I got Bible. I got Bible to prove it. Read the whole book of Hebrews. Amen. If you just want one chapter, go to chapter number four. I mean, go to chapter number seven, and you talk about Jesus is superior. I mean, he's superior to the high priest of the Old Testament, superior to Melchizedek, superior to the Jewish system, superior to Judaism, superior to everything that man did. We have a high priest which was not touched with, which can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He was tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Aren't you glad that the Savior that we serve, that's our great high priest, went into the presence of God, not with a lamb's blood, a goat's blood, or a sheep's blood, but laid his own blood at the mercy seat of, of, of God the Father. And because of his blood, you and I now have boldness to enter the throne of God. I don't need a priest. I don't need a pope. I don't need a cardinal. I don't need a rabbi. I don't need a fryer, chicken, fish, or grease fryer. Listen, I can go into the very presence of God. Jesus paved the way. He made it possible to enter the presence of God. The veil was rent. The access is given. The holy of holies is open. If you didn't pray this morning, it wasn't because heaven was open. It's because you didn't enter his presence. Jesus made a way. Now, the Levitical system was something that God set up, and God defined the way. History tells us he was so strict on the priest that they would tie a rope around his leg. 
So if that brother went in there not right with God and he was dead, nobody had to go in there and get him. It was, listen, God was so serious. You don't go into the Holy of Holies unless you're a priest. So if a priest dies in the Holy of Holies, don't go in there and get him. Pull him out by the rope. Somebody say amen. Thank God we ain't doing that today. But even though the rules and regulations and the restrictions and the system of God have changed, that God is not sending a priest in with a rope tying around that, that I didn't have to get up this morning and go into a place and, and trim the wicks and offer special fire and do special things on the behalf of Crossroads Baptist Church. This morning I got up and prayed, but guess what? This morning in your house you could get up and pray too. Listen to me. God didn't tune in any more to me than he tuned in to you. I don't get any more access than you get access. He don't, oh, there goes my favorite. And they go, uh, no, 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 no. If you're saved by the grace of God, you got the Holy Ghost inside of you. Jesus is the advocate on your behalf, making intercession for you and at the midnight hour when nobody's awake, when your phone don't work, when your Wi-Fi is turned off you can go into the Holy of Holies and know that heaven is listening like you're the only one talking so the system has changed watch this now, but God has not so he's not killing people because they're not right but that doesn't mean he doesn't expect them to be right so Nadab and Abihu are there They're setting a precedent for us, a precedent of strange fire. And what happened when you play with God? And enough of this, enough of this, enough of this playing with God. Enough of it. It's Leviticus. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to know this is not late into into the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, this is an open book quiz. Put the text up on the screen. Y'all don't got Leviticus up there? It was up there already? Put it up there again. All right. Genesis, Exodus, We're the third book of the Bible, and God's killing people for playing with him. Say, well, at least he took three books, really? And three chapters, Cain was playing games. Come on. In the book of Exodus, the sons of Korah were playing games. God killed so, 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 so I just want you to know there's never been an age or a generation of people where God was cool with people playing games with him. So this is strange fire. So the priests were supposed to be in the temple offering the right kind of fire. They didn't. They offered strange fire. We talked about this. Why was it strange fire? The consuming fire had not been sustained. We went to Leviticus 6. We'll not go there today. But the rule of law of God concerning the burnt sacrifice, concerning the sin offering, was that God would start the fire. The fire would be started. And the priest was to keep the fire burning. Now watch this now. In the Old Testament, priests were assigned. In the New Testament, we are all priests. Say it with me. We are are all priests. Say it again. We are all priests. One more time. We are all priests. So in the Old Testament, the high priest or the priest, Nadab and Abihu were supposed to keep the fire burning. Now who's supposed to keep the fire burning in your heart? You're supposed to keep the fire burning. The Lord our God is a consuming fire. 
Ephesians chapter 4, you can grieve the Holy Ghost of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, you can quench the Holy Spirit of God. I was telling my class this morning, to quench means to extinguish. So it is possible for the Holy Ghost, who is a fire, to be extinguished. That means he can be telling me you're wrong. He can be telling me you're right. He can be telling you to stop. You can put him out so I won't hear you. So Nadab and Abihu are literally using strange fire. And the fire didn't stay burning because after they received the supernatural, they didn't remove sin, which is a picture of removing the ashes. They didn't have regularity of scripture, which is a picture of replacing the wood. And they did not remain in the sanctuary or dwell in God's presence. And the same is true for you and for me. When I get the supernatural, aren't you glad that God is supernatural? Listen, you and I are natural, all right? Our natural tendencies do not jive with the character of God. We get angry. We get in the flesh. We like to sin. I was saying to our daycare parents a couple days ago, who in the world has to teach your children how to sin? They know how to do it. We are sinners. We are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. Your children, long before they can speak, know how to bow up. They know how to buck you. They know how to pull away from you. Nobody has to teach them that they are bent towards sin because of a sin nature. This is what is enmity with God. This is what God can't stand. This is what cannot enter the presence of God. This is what is not going to heaven. Flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God. The unrighteous, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, shall not not inherit the kingdom of God. Now listen to me, that puts us in a quandary because we're born sinners, bent to sin, and we can't wash our sin. Nobody got baptized at this church ever got their sins washed away. Nobody takes the right hand of fellowship, gets their sins washed away. Nobody that stands before me, I put my hand on them, they confess their sin, gets their sin washed away. But listen to me, everybody who comes to Jesus Christ and believes that he died, was buried, and rose again, puts their faith and trust in him. Every single person gets your sins washed away. You're clean through the word which I've spoken to you. Their sins and iniquities will I remember no more as far as the east is the west. So far have I removed their transgressions. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Somebody ought to say, Amen today that God is still in the sin cleansing business. Hmm. I'm thinking about Peter. When Jesus washed the disciples' feet, remember that? John chapter 13. This is an example to you. As I have washed your feet, you ought to minister to others. Somebody say amen that that's not literal. Some feet be hard, feet to watch. I've seen some of them. Lord have mercy. Look like they've been climbing Mount Everest barefoot. All right. How beautiful are the feet of them. That's not literal either. All right. But here's Peter. By the way, the irony that Jesus is in the presence of his disciples and he gets up and washes their feet. What a servant. But Peter, after Jesus washes his feet, says, wash my whole body. And the answer from Jesus is, no, 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 you're already clean. You, you don't need your whole body washed. You just need your feet washed. There's, there's, there's a parallel. There's a, a symbolism there. Listen to me. When you get saved, you get clean. Amen. So the foot washing is a picture of the cleansing that we need every day to walk in fellowship with God. First John chapter 1, walk in the light as you know. What you walk with? 
You walk with your what? Your feet. And when you walk with your feet outside, your feet get what? Dirty. So the feet need to be clean. Listen to me. When God saves you, God washes your spiritual body. But every single day you live and your feet get dirty. I don't confess my sin every day to get saved. I got the bath when I got saved. I keep my feet washed every day. So I'm asking you, how dirty are your feet from where you walk this week? Some of you make people take the shoes off when they enter your house. I ain't mad at you. We don't make people do that because I don't like doing it. So I'm trying to, trying to pay it forward. <laughs> but you know, what I don't, you know what I don't like even more than taking my shoes off at somebody's house? Cleaning up a dirty rug. So the people that make you do it are saying, listen, we take your shoes off because you've been walking outside. And we don't want what's on the bottom of your shoes on this white rug. Can I get an amen? And I'm telling you, folks, this, it's, it's, it's hard for Christian people to enjoy worshiping God when they come into church every day with dirty feet. Did you wipe your feet before you came to church this morning? We confess our sins. That's the difference in confession for relationship and confession for fellowship. John chapter 1, I'm trying to preach. John chapter 1, he came into his own, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, them gave he power or authority to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Next time you get depressed, tell the reins of your brains, I'm a son of God. I have the authority to become a son of God because I believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a relationship. I became the son of Lewis Curtis Baldwin by birth. Nothing I do can make me unbecome his son. I can get on his nerves. I cannot treat him properly. I cannot do what he expected me to do. He may quit talking to me. He may write me out of his will. Pray that he does not. But I cannot. I cannot um, unbecome his son because the relationship between him and me happened by birth. At four years old, I prayed and asked the Lord Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I got born again, not of corruptible, but incorruptible seed by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. I got born again into the family of God. I became a child of God. God's my father, Jesus, my savior, the Holy Ghost, my comforter, the word of God, my God, and heaven is my, I may not think right, act right, talk right some days, but unbeknownst to some religious zealots, there's nothing I can do to unbecome the child of God because it happened by birth. So I confessed one time for relationship. I confess consistently to maintain fellowship. First John chapter 1. Joint participation in something that two share in common. So you, you can come to church in sin and still be saved. But you can't come in sin and fellowship with a holy God. And this is what Nadab and Abihu tried to do. So the second is their current fire came from the wrong source. Now listen, listen. Here's, here's, a, here's the deduction. If the consuming fire is not being sustained, then now the current farce comes from a wrong source. So, so this fire that they do have is a farce. It's, it's, it's a joke. So the farce is. It's, it's, it's a ridiculous presentation of something that's almost comical. In other words, they're, they're offering stuff to God that's not the stuff he demanded they offer as if he's not smart enough to know the difference. Ladies and gentlemen, we can fool the crowd, but we cannot fool the creator. The attendance counter takes record 
of your head in the building. But the Lord is looking at your heart. Fleshly ministers, Nadab and Abihu, chapter number 10. The statement is made of them later in the chapter. It says they offered strange fire, verse number one, that he commanded them not. But let's look at verse number nine. Do not drink wine or strong drink that thou, thou nor thy sons with thee. You know who Moses is talking to? Aaron. Verse number six, Moses said to Aaron, the sons are dead. So the implication for Moses to Aaron is these fellas not only have problem offering strange fire, they got problems sipping the wrong stuff. They have an office that's spiritual, but they have an operation that's carnal. Their job is spiritual in nature, but their character is carnal. What they're supposed to be doing should be done in the spirit, but they're doing something that's supposed to be done in the spirit in the flesh. Ladies and gentlemen, listen, listen. It's not just about knowing the curriculum. It's not just about memorizing the words. It's not just about hitting the notes. It's not just about wearing the suit. It's about living the spiritual life through the power of the Holy Ghost. Fleshly ministers. Frivolous manufacturing. We talked about this. So the Bible says they put fire therein, verse number one. They put fire therein. That means God sent the fire. They didn't do what they needed to keep the fire. So now they put their own fire. Frivolous manufacturing. It's the producing, from a human perspective, what God himself produced from a heavenly perspective. We talked about this, ecumenicalism, the joining of all religions. Regardless of what you believe, we can all work together. That's frivolous. That's manufactured. We can't all work together. How can two walk together except they be agreed? How can you and I agree on God when you say God didn't have a son and I say God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? How can your God be God and my God be God when you call your God someone that tolerates foolishness? How can your God, like somebody in the mall told me, I wanted to take time to invite you to a Bible study about the female God. I said, no, thank you. Well, would you like to talk about it? No, I wouldn't like to talk about it. I don't want to come, I don't want to be, I wasn't rude, but I'm I'm, I'm not looking for whether God's male or, listen, I know who God is. When we pray to God, we say, our Father, which art in heaven, he can't be a female. So we have to be careful. You have to be careful who's feeding your doctrine. You have to be careful who's, who's supplementing your belief. You have to be careful who's influencing your biblical stand. You have to be careful who is providing with you where you stand on spiritual matters. You can't listen to every preacher. You can't attend every church. You can't read every book. You can't let anybody talk to you that's got a name called reverend, bishop, or, or prophet, or apostle. you got to be talking to somebody who lines up with the book. He's not right because he's a preacher. He's right because he's right with God. God. Emotionalism. Showing emotion and quickly, easily appealing to emotion. The way we're given to emotional pull and emotional push, swaying the audience into believing something based on 
on their emotion, infiltrating nonsense, but taking advantage of the emotional highs of people and getting them to embrace stuff that's not in the Bible because they're too excited to hear otherwise. Around here at Crossroads Baptist Church, you will hear me repeat over and over and over again. Don't take my word for it. We want it on the screen. We want it in front of you. I ask you to repeat it. I ask you to read with me. It's not because it just sounds good. It's because I want you to know that the credibility of my message is not in my last name. It's in the Word of God. Experimentalism. The practice of depending on experimentation to to be fond of experimenting, new experiences and, and procedures. And this is, let's just try it. Let's just, let's just try it. Let's just be eclectic. Let's, it's, it's been done this way for so long. Let's just see how it goes if we do that. Listen, there's nothing wrong with trying things unless what you're trying is something God said don't try. Frivolous marriage, manufacturing. C is forbidden methods, forbidden methods, which the Lord commanded them not. Forbidden methods. I hear people saying methods don't matter. Methods don't really matter. Methods don't really. Be careful. Listen, we, God gives us some leeway in method. Not every church does everything the same way. Not every pastor does everything the same. Listen, methods can be subjective until they start violating what God said. The moment I have a new method that I like that is doing something that God says he forbids, that method is off limits. Which he commanded them not. Well, God is a little harsh. You think he was harsh on Nadab and Abihu? Look what he did to Uzzah. The Ark of the Covenant was moved on a cart. Only the Levites were supposed to touch it. And they're carrying the cart over bumpy terrain. And all of a sudden, the cart is falling off of the, of the, the Ark of the Covenant. By the way, the Ark of the Covenant was a spiritual artifact. It was significant of the presence of God. Moses' rod was kept there... Uh, so manna was kept there. It was, it was a representation of God. It wasn't God, but it was a representation of God. By the way, let's never equate religious artifacts to the presence of God itself. Church is a representation of God, but just because you come here don't mean you met with God. Well, it's a good place to do it. So this ark, this ark was God said, this is where I'll come down and show my presence. Between the cherubims, God showed up. This is where the sacrifice was made. So the Ark of the Covenant was important. I just want, this is not a trick question. If the Ark is falling off the cart, isn't that a bad thing? Anybody in here want the Ark to fall? Say, no. Come on, say, no. We don't want the Ark to fall. We don't want the, the, the Ark falling down is bad. Listen to me. Some bad happening is not an excuse for do, to do something else bad. Somebody help me preach. We, we, we got to be careful as Christians. I sinned because I had no choice. Because if I didn't sin, something bad would have happened. You don't get to do something bad to keep something else bad from happening. So Uzzah touches the ark to keep it up, and God kills him. Not because Uzzah's a bad dude. Not because he's a, he's a fornicator or an idolater. He broke the methods of God, and God took it seriously. Now, Bible, by the way, just because God does not punish you as severely as he does other people doesn't mean that he doesn't have the right to punish you the way he wants to. He could kill us all for little sins. And nobody could complain because we deserve to go to hell for being a sinner. Methods matter. Man-made worship is, is frivolous. It's forbidden. Churches should not be a shrine for the worship of a man. And the onus is on 
men not to allow it. By the way, there's a difference in honoring someone and worshiping someone. And thank the Lord that I pastor a church who takes seriously honoring the man of God to, in, in ways that are embarrassing to me, to be honest. But in all of that embarrassment, there's an appreciation to me to know that I'm pastoring a congregation that loves, cares, supports, and honors their pastor. And it's nothing I take for granted or feel entitled to. It's, it's what I thank the Lord for. Well, listen, I preach, I've preached all over the place to thousands of people everywhere. There is nothing like preaching at Crossroads Baptist Church to the people that I pastor. No way I'd rather be. And I thank the Lord for it. But the moment that that honor starts getting blurred with worship, the pastor needs to shut it down. Peter says, stand up by myself. And my man, Cornelius, I appreciate you bowing down before me. But let me tell you, don't bow down before me. I need to bow down like you are before him. Very briefly, let me just give you a couple thoughts out of Leviticus 8, and I'll finish it next week. The consuming fire has not been sustained. The current farce is from a wrong source. How did Nadab and Abihu end up offering strange fire? Number three, the Christian focus is not serious. There in chapter number eight, would you go back a couple pages in your text? And we'll go right to verse number one. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him and the garments and the anointing oil and the bullock for a sin offering and two rams and a basket of unleavened bread. And gather thou all the congregation to the, together to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Verse number four, and Moses what? Did as what? As the Lord commanded him. And the assembly was gathered together into the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Moses said unto the congregation, this is the thing which the Lord commanded to be done. Now the congregation is gathered together where? At the what? Verse number four. Come on, at what? Where, 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 where at the tabernacle? At the door. Why are they at the door? Because that's as far as they can go. Huh? I'll tell you what's wrong with Christians in 2023. They are walking right past the do not enter signs. In every area. Men sleeping with women that aren't their wives. Do not enter. That's far as you can go. Well, I got a crush on her. Well, that's where it ends. Till you marry her. See, God is, listen, you, you, I don't understand do not enter. Listen to me. Adam and Eve had do not enter. They passed it, and we're still paying for it. Eat off of every tree. Don't touch the one in the middle. Thou shalt surely die. God has restrictions. Restrictions are not to keep us from good. Restrictions are to keep us out of bad. They're coming to the door. And the, 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 the congregation is coming to the door, and Moses is speaking to them. 
This is the thing the Lord commanded to be done. I'm bringing y'all where you can go, to the tabernacle. Now listen to me, only certain people can go further. It's the priest. Verse 6, here we are. And Moses brought who? And who? Now who are they? The priests. Don't be scared. Aaron and his sons are the what? And the priests are going to go where? Into the tabernacle. Who are the priests in 2023? Come on, talk to me. This is a class assignment. Turn to the person. Thank you for that permission, Brother Ricky. I appreciate it. He said, continue. You, you want to learn, don't you? Amen. Turn to the person beside you and say, you are a priest. Now tell him, I am a priest. But it's serious. It's serious. Peter says it's made us kings and priests. You are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. Read it in Peter when you get some time. Who have called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Verse number six, and then I'm finished. So what, how serious is priesthood? Because I said the Christian focus is not serious. Nadab and Abihu must not have been. Listen, listen, chapter 10 is a revelation of, in my opinion, they weren't doing a whole lot in chapter 8. We focus a lot on big moments, but we don't realize that big moments are nothing but the culmination of a lot of little ones. And I'm convinced that the mistake in Leviticus chapter number 10 it's not a mistake that happened in the heat of the moment. It's a mistake that's the result of a lot of mistakes before. I'm, come on now. You go, listen, you're going to get up the home plate. The base is going to be loaded, and, 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 and it's going it, it, to be uh, two strikes and three balls. Listen to me. And you're going to need to hit a home run, and you're going to mess up and go, oh, no, if I could have just hit a home run. And you're going to think, what could I have done differently? I'll tell you what you could have done differently. You could have practiced all week differently. Don't just focus on the big moment. Focus on the little. Here's Leviticus chapter 8. How do you get to Leviticus chapter 10 where you're cool with drinking? Where you're cool with putting fire that doesn't belong? Because Leviticus chapter 8, you're not taking serious the gravity of priesthood. Verse 6. He brought Aaron and his sons and did what? Wash them with what? I mean. Do you really have to be washed with water to trim wicks? Do you really have to be washed with water to replace wood? I mean, to handle ashes and remove them, do you, do you really have to be washed? How many of you would submit to me that it would be physically possible for Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu to do the job of priesthood without being washed with water? But God took it so seriously that he said, these fellas and their spiritual obligation is so serious, I even want their physical bodies clean. Now, I'm not about to give a, a message on, did you put on deodorant this morning? <laughs> Although it would be helpful for all of us if you did. But I am telling you that this is a picture of being free of sin, washed with water. It's serious. 
And this morning, I want us all to think. God help me to stop going to church to get right. And help me start going to church right. Help me not go to the house of God to get cleaned up. Let me show up already clean. Help me not expect the church to clean up my life. Help me make sure my life is clean so the church can be a clean church. The Christian focus is not serious. Here's the problem. We spend a lot of time in preparation to come to church on the wrong stuff. Every Sunday morning I go to the car wash, unless it's raining. It's just a habit. Every Sunday morning I go to the car wash. Because I just don't want you pulling on the parking lot and seeing a car parked in a spot that says, Pastor, filthy. I just think that's probably not a good representation of, as leadership. You don't have to do it. That's just, I just, I just, I just like everything to be clean on Sunday. But long before I get to the car wash, I'm trying to get my soul right. Here's what I'm saying. It would be pointless to pay to clean my car on Sunday. And not for free, ask God to clean my heart. That's what you're saying. Sunday school teachers, study. Bring your snacks. Receive your students. Take the role. Make the class simple enough to be understood. But for heaven's sake. Get yourself clean. Musicians. Well, 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 watch this now. Could Nadab and Abihu handle fire with dirty bodies? Is it physically possible to handle the fire with a dirty body? But God said, I ain't having dirt handling the fire. So, what part of church is serious enough to be clean. Hmm. Well, I know. Here's the easy answer. I, I tell you what. I can tell you right now who needs to be clean when they come to church. The pastor. I mean, you should not go to a church when the pastor ain't clean. I mean, I, I'm telling you right now. I ain't even going up. Some of these pastors out here, those gigolos, and they run around and do all this stuff, and they got wandering eyes. I ain't trying to go to no church where the pastor. So the pastor should be clean. But what about the parishioners? What about the, what about the people handling the sound system? The one who's handling them buttons up there. Who pushed the button and it said strange fire Sunday morning. You think that guy, I mean, just pushing buttons to put something on the screen. You think he ought to be clean? He's a priest. Well, what about the guy opening the door? I mean, he ain't, listen, he ain't teaching a class. He's not preaching. He's not singing a song. He just opening the door. You think he ought to be clean? He's a priest. Well, nursery workers, we don't need clean nursery workers. We just need people who know how to change diapers, who know how to do what the parents ask them to do. 
Bless God, they may be just, just, just as devilish as they can be, but at least they down there holding some. Wait, 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 wait. They're priests? What about ushers? We don't need to be clean. Just put big guys who collect big offerings. What about the children? I mean, they're just children. What, what, what if I have no spiritual responsibility at Crossroads Baptist Church? You should still be clean because you're not just coming to Crossroads. You're coming to the presence of God. Did you wash this morning? Hey, Aaron, you and your sons, before you go touching spiritual stuff, Wash yourself. I mean, don't you do that physically? When you take a shower, you don't take bath. You don't clean yourself. We we talk about people who don't bathe, and we don't speak very fondly of them. And we parents give some long speeches to our kids who want to rush out the house unbathed. We have words about that, right? We have lessons on that. We spend money for supplies to correct the opposite of that. I was reading in a, in a book that's going to be published soon by Pastor Maine Wainer that he used to hate the dentist. Till his wife told him how to take care of his teeth. That's what he says in the book. Am I right? He said she's never had a cavity. She, he said she didn't hate the dentist. You know, it's amazing how we hate places that expose what we're not doing right. He said, I don't hate the dentist anymore because I've learned to brush and floss properly. You know what? You'd enjoy preaching more if you learned to get right with the Bible. So would I. The presence of God should not be like a trip to the dentist's office for someone who doesn't take care of his teeth. The presence of God should be a celebration for the believer because I'm in the presence of the one that I love and adore. So let's be better priests so that our trip to his presence is that much better. Let the church say amen. Our Father, thank you. May our spirits be motivated and challenged. We have got to do better, Lord. Because by the eyes are closed, Pastor, I'm saved and I know it. I've, I've trusted Christ as my Savior. I've done it the Bible way. I'm going to heaven because I've done what God's word says do, and I'm saved. If you know that, would you raise your hand all over the building? Thank you. God bless you. Pastor, you may put your hands down. Pastor, I raise my hand, and I'm saved. But as a child of God, God has challenged me to take priesthood more seriously. I need to be more serious about my Christian life. That's you. Would you put your hand up all over the building? And God bless you. And God bless you. And God bless you. 
And ladies and gentlemen, we'll never get serious until we acknowledge we need to. Last question. Pastor, I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I don't want to go to hell. I'm not 100% sure if I died today that I'd go to heaven, but I'm sure I don't want to go to hell. I'm, I'm not a priest because I've not accepted Christ as my Savior, yet I need to trust in what Jesus did on my behalf so that I can become a child of God and a priest with the authority and access to enter into God's presence. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven, but I'm sure I don't want to go to hell. If that's you, would you let me pray for you? Just slip your hand up, anybody like that at all? On the floor, in the balcony at all? Yes, God bless you and God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I'm sure I don't want to go to hell. I see these two hands. You may put them down. Anyone else? Anyone else? My, 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 my. God help us. You said people get saved at a homegoing service, people get saved at a CDC graduation. There's nothing that happens at Crossroads that's more important than telling people how to go to heaven. And we'll take every venue, every event we have to try to do it. Handing out tracts yesterday, inviting people to vacation Bible school, coming out the moon bounce with an invitation going to come back to church. Because we want to be gospel-centered. To get you in the family. You can't start living like a saint until God saves you from your sin. You need a new family. Now, Christian, all over the building, would you, would you pray? Make your seat an altar. Next week, we'll, we'll open the altars and allow people to hit these altars again. But God is right there in that seat with you. Won't you, won't you, won't you make, some, make some practical decisions in your heart right now about how you're going to be more serious about priesthood? God, I'm going to set a time to, to confess every day. I'm going to set a time for Bible reading and prayer. I'm, 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 going, to, I'm going to correct some habits that are off the hook. I'm going to take cleansing more seriously. And I'm not going to let a partier on Saturday night put more time in his preparation for a club than I am for the presence of God. The gravity of priesthood. It's too serious. You, you didn't get, you didn't get the to skip into the tabernacle any kind of way. And we don't get to skip into God's presence any kind of way. Somebody say amen if God deserves better. Yes, he does. Thank you, Lord, for your word. May it make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God the praise today. Thank you for being here.